Matthew 5. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All right, Jeff. You guys can go. And that there is the verses that we've been studying and hopefully you've been trying to memorize and work through. And uh, if those little kids can do it, you can do it. So, challenge you to memorize God's Word because it will uh, help you in your life to live it out for the Lord. So, would you pray with me? God, I just admit that I need you to speak through me today and may it be your words that uh, that we hear. Father, may we be excited about your word this morning and may uh, the application of your word, God, be something that thrills our hearts and that we just find an adoration for who Jesus is. God, uh, um, challenge us with the things that we hunger and thirst for and uh, may those things be honoring to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So Pastor Matt's been teaching us out of Matthew chapter 5. You might want to turn there in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one out of the pew. I'm not sure what page number it is, but someone gets there, maybe you can tell us. <clears throat> but in Matthew chapter 5, the one who is speaking is Jesus. And uh, that's really important. And I want to note something regarding Jesus speaking. He's... As it says here, he went up on a mountainside and he began teaching them. Um, he sat down and began teaching them, teaching his disciples and teaching the crowd that was there. And um, if you flip over to Matthew 7, it's the end of his message. And at the very end of Matthew 7, it says, Because Jesus taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. They noticed that Jesus' teaching was a lot different than the teaching of the teachers of the law. And that gives us um, this thought and idea that we need to pay more attention because Jesus is teaching and he has more authority. He taught in a different way. And I have to tell you that today's sermon, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the end of the sermon, not because of me, but because at the end I have some really good news that I want to share. And uh, I think Jesus dives a little deeper in the message this morning than what we might see at face value. And um, I think that's because he's Jesus, he's God, he can dig deep, and uh, he has this authority and this teaching that is like no other. And so, it's amazing that we are getting some teaching from Jesus, and I think we need to pay attention to that, close attention. And so Matt's been bringing us to understand what is Jesus talking about. He says, the poor in spirit. Um, I went to New Orleans, and in New Orleans, I learned what it meant after Hurricane Katrina to be poor. And I remember this phrase they said, it didn't matter if you were a rich guy on earth or if you were a poor guy on earth, the hurricane took it all out. 
And the only guy who was rich is who had Jesus. It wasn't said like that, but that's what the meaning of it was. The only guy who was rich is the guy who had Jesus. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that means we acknowledge that inside my innermost being and in my heart and in my spirit, I know that I am desperate for God and I am needy. And when we get to that point, that's some good news. And then it goes on to say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he talked about, Pastor Mac talked about grieving our own sin. Okay, so I'm poor in spirit, I'm desperate, I'm needy, and God, my sin is just terrible. It's wretched. I'm sorry, God, for my sin. You get to that point, God gives you the kingdom of heaven, and he comforts you. And I think there's a perfect life example in the Bible of this. And I read it this week. It's Luke chapter 7. I think it's verse 36 through 50. I'm not going to turn there. You can if you want. But it's about this sinful woman. And she hears that Jesus is eating at uh, the Pharisee's house. So she goes to this, she goes to this house of Simon the Pharisee. She goes in and as she, uh, is there, she begins weeping at his feet. And her tears are dropping onto his feet. And then she takes her hair and she wipes the tears off of, off his feet. And Simon is thinking, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman this is, for she is a sinful woman. And so typical, typical Pharisee looks at other people around and sees all the wrong that they do. Looks at himself and says, but I got my act together. And Jesus confronts that. And he says, Simon, let me tell you a story. Tells him a story about a man who owes 50 denarii and another one who owes 500 denarii. And the, they couldn't pay that much money. And so what happens? The guy who is owed the money says, I cancel your debts. Jesus says, which one do you think loves that guy more or is more grateful? The guy who owes the most. That's, that's right. This woman... She knew her sin was great. And she wet my she wet my feet with her tears and you didn't give me any water to wash off my feet. And she put perfume on me. You didn't give me oil to put on my head. You did none of this. And he turns the cool part. He turns to the woman, he says, Your sins are forgiven. That's what one thing he says. Number two thing he says, Your faith has saved you. Number three thing he says, go in peace. Because the woman was poor in spirit, she was mourning. You know what she receives? She receives salvation, for you are forgiven. She received comfort because he said, um, um, I'm sorry, what were they again? Go in peace was the last one. Her faith. Faith has saved you. So she's forgiven and um, yeah, she's forgiven and basically she has peace. That's what she receives. Jesus gives her that because she's poor in spirit and she's mourning so she's comforted. That's a great life example, I think. And then the other one that he spoke about last week was meek. Blessed are those who are meek for they will inherit the earth. And meek is not weak. Meek is not weak. But it's someone who has power. And I believe it's someone who has power under control and shows his patience and wisdom. And... uh it's, it's quite amazing that that is the person who inherits the earth, not the strong guy who takes over everybody. Um, 
And today we're, we're looking at one verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I don't know if today this is a curse or a great sermon illustration or what, but there's a lot of good food here. And there's some food that maybe isn't so great. Um, but today we're going to talk about hungering and thirsting. And I know what it is to hunger. You ever been hungry? I've been hungry before. I've seen some people in other countries, they've been real hungry. They know a hunger that I don't even understand. But I was hungry at the 30-hour famine. The 30-hour famine is this trying to raise money for world poverty. And um, I was really hungry at that. I made a poor decision. I said, now I'm not only just not going to eat any food for 30 hours, I'm not going to drink anything either. I'm going to see how this goes because there's people who don't have food and don't have water. I'm going to see what it's like. And I tell you what, my every thought was about, I just can't wait to eat something. I just can't wait to eat something. And then I got really weak. And then I felt like I couldn't even think. And I had a headache too. And um, I just wanted some food and felt like I needed food. And I don't know if you've been that way before, that longing. Maybe some of you students have been in school and you're hungry. It's about lunchtime and you're hungry and you're thinking, I don't know what the teacher's talking about because I'm so hungry. And there's something about being hungry that we are so distracted that we just focus on the hunger. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I, it hurts even. My stomach's growling. I didn't eat breakfast. Maybe I'm torturing you right now. I don't know. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Or they will be filled. So hopefully you've identified with hunger and thirsting. As I study this passage too, it helps me to understand fasting. It's like, man, I don't like fasting. But I thought maybe what this is teaching, this goes right hand in hand with fasting, that if I hunger and thirst for righteousness, I will be filled. And if I take time away from food, it teaches me that I need to hunger for more of God. More of God in my life and more of His Word. And God, I beg of you to work in me. That's what I'm wanting. And that's why I'm giving up food right now, God. Because I'm just saying as a physical sign of, I need more of you and less of me, God. I think that's what fasting can be about. And maybe that's why God gave us fasting. I don't like it. But it is a way of showing Him that we desire more of Him. So what do you hunger and thirst for? Maybe some of you hunger and thirst for this. And I'll tell you, this is my weakness right here. Uh Uh-oh, it's taped together or something. This Coca-Cola is my weakness. It's something that I need to give up sometime. But uh, hunger and thirst for that. Maybe you hunger and thirst for Twinkies. Maybe you hunger and thirst for Pop-Tarts. I don't know. I know who does. <laughs> Maybe you went to the carnival, the fair, and you really hunger and thirst for these big, huge hot dogs. I don't know. That thing is enormous. Maybe it's a lemon shake-up. Maybe it's a funnel cake. I don't know what you hunger and thirst for, but man, there's a lot of sweet sugar. Right? Dalton sugar. We Dalton and I talk about sugar. Um, maybe it's some of this stuff. This cake looks really good. And then there's more stuff towards this side. 
And I know that my body, I really should hunger for more of this, some of this stuff. And I'm not a dietitian or a nutritionist or anything like that. But I do have a little knowledge that my body needs certain nutrients. And I can fill my body with some of this stuff. And in my stomach, it feels full. I'm like, oh, that was good. That tastes good. But my blood cells, I'm assuming, are saying, oh, that wasn't satisfying. That didn't get down to the depths and the core of what I really need. I need some strong, real substance in nutrition. And so what we should long for is maybe stuff on this half. We should hunger and thirst for these things. And the cool thing about this passage, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled, or I like when it says satisfied. And satisfaction is something that we desire and that we want. Right? None of us say, I want to live my life and be totally dissatisfied. But we want to be absolutely satisfied. There's things of this earth that are temporarily satisfying. And I think that represents some of these things here if we're talking food. There's other things that will meet that deepest need. God's created us and He knows what will internally and eternally satisfy us. And so I think Jesus was using a great illustration by bringing us about hunger and thirsting and what it means to be satisfied. And Jesus talked to a woman at the well, and what did he say to her? If we look at John chapter 4. So turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 4. If you look at verse 7 through 14, John 4, 7 through 14, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy some food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink... You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Like this water doesn't satisfy you. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And if you read another passage, it's talking about the spirit that he's going to give to them. Jesus is going to give. That's what he's referring to. The water I give to you is going to be a spirit of life within you. And it's going to satisfy you. And this is the water that this woman wants. Whatever that is, I want it. Well, Jesus said, if you just knew who was talking to you right now, if you understood that, he would give you the living water. Go to uh, John 7. Flip over a few pages. John seven thirty-seven. On the last... In- Greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And that's where he talks about the spirits. By this he meant the spirits whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But Jesus claims to be the living water. That's what he claims to be. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Thirsting is one thing, but let's look at John 6.35. John 6.35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus, remember, Jesus is the one who's teaching in Matthew 5. He's teaching with authority and he says, Blessed is the man who hungers and, hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for he will be filled. And what he's saying in one sense is, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for me. And we know that in a sense later because Jesus claims, I am the living water and I am the bread of life. And you'll be ultimately truly satisfied in me. But, I don't, know what, I don't know what you're hungering and thirsting for, but righteousness is what he says. He doesn't say hunger and thirst for me. He says hunger and thirst for righteousness. Isn't that what he says? So you guys could be like, no, Brandon, that's not what it's talking about. It says hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? Today, today's title uh, of this sermon, if I had one, is hunger and thirst for what? What are we to hunger and thirst for? Righteousness. That's what it says here. I don't know what you hunger and thirst for when it comes to food, but you're supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness when it comes to spiritual things. I believe that this text is kind of progressive. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And I believe those things can talk about salvation. Coming to a point of understanding that Jesus is your Savior. And today I believe that he's not talking about salvation necessarily. I mean, he can be, but I think he's even moving to the point of, hey, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is blessed for you if you hunger and thirst for what is right. For what is righteous. So what is righteousness? In Judges it says, the end of Judges, it says that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is doing what's right in God's eyes. And so the first part of today's application or living it out of what Jesus is saying here, I believe is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to do what is right according to God's word. That's the number one kind of, how do I apply this and what does this mean for me? You need to hunger and thirst for doing what's right in your life. That's really, really important. You cannot claim that you love Jesus and you live for God and yet you live a life contrary to Him. I gave, I handed out these papers, or I didn't hand them, the ushers handed out you these papers. I'm hoping. And they have all this red stuff on it. You guys have these? If you don't have one, raise your hand and I'll give you one right now. Alright. Anybody else? Oh, we got a few of you. Ushers, you can help me out with this. Here. There's a few of them there. Whoever needs those.
We have any more? I don't know. We have any more ushers? Do you have any jam? No? Okay. I'm sorry. If you don't have one, I'll have to get it to you later. You come talk to me afterwards. But these have some extra verses on them. And um, the first verse there, I believe that's on that sheet. I don't even have one myself now. <laughs> Can I have one of those, Jim? Thanks. <laughs> is this. This is love for God. To obey His commands and His commands are not burdensome. If you want to demonstrate love for God, you need to, you need to obey His commands. That's really important. And another one I've been studying with junior high kids is 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, towards the back of the Bible. That one's not on that page, sorry. 1 John 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, I know God, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar and the truth is not in Him. But if anyone obeys His words, God's love is truly made complete in Him. This is how we know that we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Jesus must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as He did. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What Jesus is teaching us there is, if you claim that you're a follower of Jesus, you must live a righteous life. That is what's satisfying. Truly, truly satisfying. So we as a church, if we are believers in Jesus, our life needs to look like we love Jesus. We need to live it out, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk, you know, kind of thing. That's what we need to do. We need to begin to live more and more righteous. Now, I know that none of us are perfect in that. And that's what's really cool about 1 John 2, or 1 John as well. In 1 John, it also says in chapter 2, verse 1. So basically, I'm supposed to live righteous. But if you don't, get this part. 1 John 2, 1, it's on your piece of paper there. My dear children, I write this to you. So that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, huh, if you do sin, if you're not righteous, if you're not living righteous, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's some really good news right there. If we are saved, if we are believers in Jesus, we need to live righteously. We need to hunger and thirst. We need to long to live more righteous. That's what it says. It's a hunger and thirst for it. Seek to live more righteous. Okay? That's saying that we haven't attained it yet. We're not perfect, but we desire it. Do you desire to be righteous? Do you desire to do what is right in the eyes of God rather than what is right in the eyes of the world? I hope so. If not, I question whether you really know the Lord. And I say that kindly. I say that because do you really understand the grace that God has given you? That your sins have been forgiven. That you now have a relationship with Him. Do you understand that? Because if you understand that, your heart should be gripped with this overwhelming thankfulness that just says, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it, God. I just want to obey you. If you truly understand the grace and the forgiveness that He's provided, you will hunger and thirst to do what He wants you to do. Alright? You will fail. But if you, choose, but if you fail, the cool part in 1 John chapter 2, we have 
the righteous one. What's his name? Jesus, who is there in our defense. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's the one to whom we are looking forward to. I love this. This is a mistake, but I think it's okay. The light is above the cross. (laughs) It's usually on the cross. It's above the cross today. And here's why. Because we are looking to Jesus to come. Right? He's coming again. And He is our righteous one. And it's only through Jesus that we will actually be able to have eternal life and get to heaven. It's only through Him. And so this is the exciting part of the sermon in my, in my opinion. Is that I'm supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness, but I fail. And I'm not righteous. But I want you to know that Jesus is our righteousness. And so I really think this passage is saying not only are you supposed to, as a believer, strive to live to do what is right according to God's eyes, but I think it's saying something even deeper. And I think Jesus was saying something even deeper. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. You need to hunger and thirst for me. Why? Because I'm the righteous one. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for me. Want more of me and who I am. And you know what it'll do? It will bring the greatest satisfaction that you could ever have. And Jesus could have said this. You know how I know? Because I created you. And I'm the one who put that hunger inside of you. That can only be satisfied by the richest of foods. By the life-giving water and the true living bread. And that's me. Not these other things that don't truly satisfy. The things of the world. On your paper here, it says righteous... (laughs) About two-thirds of the way down. It says, righteousness applied to us and received by faith, not, not by following the law. And on here it says, Romans three twenty one and 22. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And then 2 Corinthians five twenty one, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's pretty amazing. God made Jesus who had no sin to become. um, So that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We have the opportunity to be righteous because of what Jesus did for us. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, there was an exchange that was made. Jesus said, it is finished. And what he said, when he said that, he said that all of our sins have been paid for and dealt with. And the exchange that was made is this. Jesus said, you sinner deserve death. I take that. Me, sinless and righteous, I give you this. And in the eyes of God, we are justified and we are seen as though we have no sin. We are righteous. That's who we are in Christ. Righteous. He gave us His righteousness. That's why we should desire so much to want to please Him and obey Him. 
because he gave us his righteousness. We should follow that up by saying, God, I love you and I want to I want to obey you. We should. But it is so cool that when we, we can understand that when we fail. When we fail, Jesus is our righteousness. So continue to hunger and thirst for him. Because ultimately, we can't live the perfect life. We never will. But we need to long for more of Him in our life. Do you long for more of Him in your life? Do you seek Him? Is that what you talk about? Is that what you pour your energies into? Because I think we, even as the church, we look to the things of the world to fill us up. We may be looking for more stuff. We may be looking to the next hunting trip. We may be looking for that next shopping spree. We may be looking for things that are sinful, outright sinful, such as pornography to satisfy us. We may be looking for all kinds of things to satisfy us, but they're all going to fall short of Jesus and who he is. We need to seek after him. And the Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness All these other things of the world will be given to you. Just keep seeking me. Be desperate for me. I'll take care of the rest. Um, Psalms, on your piece of paper here, Psalms says, Psalm 63, 1 through 7. Uh, It's not all of 1 through 7, sorry. You might have to go to the Bible to read that. But here's the first part of it. O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My body longs for You. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Hopefully that's our heart. Hopefully that's our prayer. Psalm 42. This isn't 1 through 11, but this is the first part of it. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for You, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Is that your desire? Psalm 107, 8 and 9. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. For He satisfies the thirsty and He fills the hungry with good things. And then I want to look at Revelation, the next verse. This is thinking about in eternity. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. That brings all new thoughts to me as far as shepherd. And thinking about that, I can start going on the road of shepherd. And what does it mean that he's our shepherd? But one of those meanings is he satisfies and meets our needs. He fills us. The thirst we have, he quenches that thirst. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And then lastly, Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 11. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And I want to say it like this. Those things of the world that seem to satisfy, 
the unrighteousness that I may seem to be going down? No, those don't satisfy. And all those things are like rubbish. They're like garbage. And the things that maybe even I have accomplished on this earth that are just earthly, those things are all garbage compared to this. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Hunger and thirst for Him. For those whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I'm going to stop there. Is it your desire to know Christ? Is it your desire to know Christ? Is it your desire to hunger and thirst for Him and His righteousness? Today you may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you don't, that's where it all begins. That's where you will begin to be truly satisfied with this life. Jesus gave His body, and it was broken for us on a cross. Kind of cool, Janelle made a cross on this. Um, His body was broken for us on the cross. Our sins were dealt with and paid for on the cross. His blood was spilt and was given on the cross for our sins to pay the penalty of our sins. And it says by faith in that passage there, in Romans 3 as well as Philippians 3, it says by faith and belief is how you have the righteousness of God. Today, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't believe in God, you need to choose to pray and believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I encourage you to do that today. And begin that relationship with Him. Allow the blood to be on you so that when God looks down on you through this filter of Jesus' blood, you know what He sees? He sees righteousness purified through the blood of Jesus. Allow the blood to be upon you because it's what purifies us and makes us clean and righteous. Alright? If you're a believer in Jesus already, I pray that you would long more for Jesus and who He is. That you would adore Him more and more. That you would hunger and thirst for Him because that's what's really going to satisfy you in this life. What does that look like? That means taking time to repent. Taking time to... um, Um, worship Him in song. Um, I appreciate my wife because she goes around with her phone and I don't know what she's... I don't know what it is, but she's got Christian music playing all the time. And I appreciate it because those words that come through that speaker are words that focus my heart and my attention on Jesus and who He is. And So that's one thing that you can do. I hunger and thirst for you, Jesus, and I just want to worship you in, in song today as I listen to these songs. Another thing that you can do is just say, God, I'm going to sit quietly without the distractions of all the other things in the world. And I just want to spend time with you. And I just long for you. And I want more of you. And I want to train myself, discipline myself to hunger for you more than anything else in this world. And that's one of my problems is like I kind of get stressed out. um, And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get a soda. (laughs) And I should be saying, I just need to go to Jesus. 
And some of you may go to something else. But what we should do is go to Jesus. And so I encourage you today to go to Jesus. I'm going to have the worship team come up right now. And I just want you to take a moment right now and I want you to pray to Jesus. And I want you to say, God, fill me and I want to hunger and thirst for you and not these other things in the world. So take some moments of time and just pray. God, what are the things that you tell God the things that you're struggling, that you seek after, you hunger for, that may not be quite as satisfying as seeking him. All right. And then we're going to sing. I hope that's your prayer. Let me pray for you. Father God, as I'm singing that song, I'm thinking of a man named Caden, a young man who gave his life to you just recently. And I pray that he sees that, that it's I'm not turning back. I'm following Jesus all the way. And I thank you, Lord, that he's been reading his, his Bible this week and he's excited about it. And Father, I pray that we would have that same excitement, that excitement to dig into your word and just to spend time with you. To have Jesus, our righteous one, be at the center of our focus and our desire and our longing. God, may that be our heart. And may the Psalms that we read on that paper, God, that we would be longing for God and longing for you in our life. May that be our heart. Give us an undivided heart. God, the things of this world, they're always crushing into our lives. And... Um, tempting us and it's easy to turn to the things of the world for satisfaction but we admit today God that they fall short and we admit that we want more of you and God we said uh, the cross before me and the world behind me because we don't want to follow the ways of this world but we want to be focused on the cross but God I want to twist it up a little bit and say the world in front of us in the sense of all the people and the cross behind us pushing us to go into this world and to shine the light of Jesus. God, we can't do it on our own, so we ask for your Spirit to fill us that we might be obedient to you and make a difference in our life. And I pray, Lord, as people see our righteousness, as they see our life, that they would see Jesus. And they would recognize that we've been spending time with Him. May it affect the way that we talk. May it affect the way that we think. And we do thank You for the righteousness that You have given to us, even though we are undeserving. Thank You for Your grace. In Jesus' name, Amen. If there's anybody here today that would like to talk to me about knowing Christ, I'm going to stay up here for a little while. You're welcome to come talk with me. Have a great day. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be truly satisfied.